Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, Bailey Hancock here. Welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited for my guest today. I have Kate Grimion, founder and CEO of Mavenly & Co., which is a digital resource hub for young professionals to create careers with intention. And I have been a fan of Mavenly & Co. for a couple years now. Um, they're just a really great resource. I love the podcast. It's called Women Work and Worth. And the whole tagline is they have honest conversations with real women and talk about designing a career and lifestyle with purpose. And who doesn't want that? So, and before we kick it off, Kate also, um, prior to starting Mavenly & Co., worked as a social media strategist, digital content creator, and director of communication for a wide range of organizations and clients, including but not limited to the Oprah frickin' Winfrey Network. Network. So, NBD, Kate, but welcome to the party, Kate. Thanks so much for being here. Oh my goodness, Bailey, that was probably my favorite introduction ever. <laughs> I think I'm going to record that and just listen every morning. So. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited about what you're doing and just honored to be a part of it. Uh, I will be your hype girl any day. Happy Done. I think right. what you're doing is fantastic. So before we kick off on really what Mavenly & Co. is and some of the really great advice that I know you'll have, I want to know, what did little Kate want to be when she grew up? Okay, this is hilarious because I was having this conversation with someone last night at dinner. They were asking me this and, you know, being in the world of talking about careers all the time, it comes up a lot. Um, but specifically last night, I was like, you know, the irony is when I was super little, I wanted to be a talk show host. I was, Oh my God, uh, me too. Yeah, it. I, the idea that I got to like wake up every day, ask someone else about their life and like get paid for it was crazy. Like I... Yeah. I, I think in first grade we had like a, what you want to be. And everyone was like firemen and like, um, you know, just astronauts, all the this five careers, stuff. you know, when you're a kid. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like what your parents did and maybe like another one. And I had like a coffee mug with my name on it. I was like, <laughs> and my parents were probably like, Oh my God, we let her watch way too much television. Why is she like dressed up as <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres right now? Um, but the idea of just finding out, I was such a curious kid. So finding out about other people and their work and their life and why they're doing what they're doing. That's all I wanted to do as a kid. And that has not gone away. I'm still doing that. So <laughs> I'm so with you. My grandma has a tape somewhere of me, I think like seven or eight and my little sister, who's three and a half years younger, we were doing, I don't know if I called it the Bailey show, but I was definitely doing a morning talk show and I kept making my sister come on as different guests <laughs> and we would video it and we had commercial breaks and everything. And I'm like the, you know, second grader yelling, being like, no, we have to redo that take. That just wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You were yeah. way more advanced than me. I didn't have commercial breaks. I didn't have multiple guests. It was just a fantasy for me. So, But it makes perfect sense. And here we both are. You know, I always laugh now about this podcast because I'm like, oh, I'm doing that thing I wanted to be when I grew up, but in a way that I could have never pictured because podcasts did not exist. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we both are basically our wildest fantasies. We're living our dreams. We're good from here on out. It's all downhill there from here. Go. We're done. <laughs> cool. Early 30. Well, I'm 33. You're, you're kind of in the same zone, right? Yeah, in the same zone. Definitely millennial, millennial age. So, so we've oh. tapped out. We've hit our yeah. career peak. Excellent. Yeah. So 
tell me, obviously you didn't become a TV show host, um, at least not in elementary school. So what did you end up deciding on when you went off to college? Yeah. So great question. It's funny. When I was applying for college, I was really excited about what the college looked like. And I remember my dad specifically sitting me down. He was like, you can't go to college because college is pretty. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, I guess I need to decide like, which is so funny because now I focus so much on careers and being intentional about your collegiate experience. And at the time that was not my focus. Maybe that's why I realized how important it is now. Yeah. Um, but I actually walked on a college campus and I saw this uh, school of mass communications building. And I just happened to walk in. I didn't know I would want to do mass communication at the time. I thought maybe business or, you know, biology was interesting. Just everything was interesting to me as a kid. And I was kind of all over the place, but I ended up meeting uh, the Dean who ended up being my Dean when I went to school. And actually um, I'm an adjunct professor at my university teaching podcasting. And so it's really come full circle. That's amazing. Yeah. But um, I met her and she talked about this award that they win every year. That's like a national competition. And for some reason that stuck with me, um, I guess because my dad had put pressure on me to say, you know, you need to find out what you're going to do. I might as well do something out of school where it's the best in the country. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going to Loyola, New Orleans, majoring in mass communications and marketing. And I use those skills every day, which is not always common. I think a lot of people I feel like are, it's less common than it is. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people go to school and do something totally different, but I think that really, I was very impressionable at that age. I was, I was determined to do something important, but I didn't know what that thing was. But once someone gave me the tools for something, I kind of hit go and just kept going. That's amazing. Were you involved in any clubs or activities or internships in college? Uh, too many. Like I just, it was my, I was like a professional, like doer club, be a part of her. Like it just, it, I took it to the extreme to say the least. I was um, president of my mass communications honor society. I was a student body president in college, which was like another full-time job. Yeah. Um, I helped out with the programming board. I did all the internships. I like any, any summer I actually missed my family vacation all three years of college because I was working for the tourism bureau or uh, a local agency in town. So I was just like, once I got to college, I was after it. I was like, I'm going to do all the things. I know what the, what the last is to get where I want to go. And so that's what I'm going to do. And, um, you know, just kind of really focused on that and was able to do all of the other things. <laughs> you and I are birds of the same feather. I was also way too over-involved in college and high school and middle school. Well, my whole life. Um, <laughs> but I think that's interesting. And did all of the things that you did in college tie back to what you thought your career was going to be? Like, were you being very intentional back then of saying, I think this is going to look good to a future employer? Oh, absolutely. I think I did it with the mindset that one, it was something to do. And I'm someone who loves to have things to do, loves the full planner, loves the full oh, schedule. Yeah. I'm addicted. And so that was something that was very appealing. But also I thought, you know, everyone's told me all my life, if I want a great job, I need to get internships and be involved and be active. So that was definitely a part of it. But I think something I didn't realize at the time is that collegiate success doesn't always correlate to career success or uh, the career that you want. And that was totally lost on me. I thought, you know, if I cross all the T's, dot all the I's, um, get everything on my resume, I'll have a job that I love. And I think most people who have graduated are probably giggling, realizing like there's a little <laughs> bit more to it than that. But I was naive and thought that I was just the, the coolest cookie in the bunch. So um, 
you can tell me anything, 18 to 21. Oh God. Yeah. We would have been a disaster together. For <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't can tell us anything. Either. No, no. I know. I always laugh. You can't tell me nothing. I have to come up with it on my own. I have to suffer myself yeah. to get through it, but mm-hmm. it's very funny that now you're on the flip side of that and you're telling a lot of people <laughs> what to do and what not to do. Absolutely. And I think that comes from just the crazy, I mean, most people call it the quarter life crisis, but just the devastating, paralyzing feeling I felt when I finally got to that, what I called quote unquote, big girl job and realized it was totally wrong for me. I mean, that feeling is indescribable. It, yeah. it was so hard of a pill to swallow that I kind of want to be that like big caution sign for everyone that, you know, there are so many things to focus on when you're deciding on what career you want that aren't things that are taught in school or aren't common knowledge that now I just want everyone to know what I didn't know. So again, going back to that curiosity piece, if other people are curious, that's, that's what I'm here to do is let people know how to find the career that not only is going to pay well or be in the industry that they um, have a major in, but something that they'll actually enjoy, hopefully. So tell me about your quarter life crisis. Yeah. Was this your first job out of undergrad? So I actually got really lucky my senior year. I was in a sorority all throughout college and my senior year, my advisor came up to me and said, would you like to apply for this consulting position with your sorority organization? Mm. And at first I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting. It's not what my major's in. And then she kept talking and eventually she said, uh, travel the country for a year. And that's kind of all I needed to hear. (laughs) You're like, why didn't you lead with that? (laughs) She just said, do you want to be a professional traveler? And I would have said yes. And then we're done. Um, but I ended up having to apply for that position and it was, um, something that I ended up getting, which was super humbling and really exciting. But that first job, um, felt kind of like a vacation to me. It was kind of the dream job. And at that time I had a mentality that, you know, hard work is valued in society in everywhere that I've ever been. And this isn't hard, so it must not be work. So I can't do it for a living was kind of my thought process. So I was like, this is fun. I'll do this. And it was a year term limit. So you're not allowed to even do it for longer than a year. But I thought, okay, well, I'll get my big job, big girl job after this. Mm-hmm. And so traveled all around the country, met all types of women, realized how many women weren't having the career conversations that I also wasn't having in college. And that was interesting to me, but not, um, there was no urgency around creating something for that at the time. I was like, well, I'll still find a job that I really like. And maybe this will be um, a side project is like helping other people find careers that they like. But After that, I left that consulting job, went to work for a PR agency in Dallas, Texas, and went there and it had all of the elements on paper that I wanted in a big girl job, uh, in a high rise building, Mm -hmm. super impressive clients, um, a great team to work with, just absolutely fabulous, amazing people. I got to wear the cute work clothes that I wanted. I got to travel. So funny how important that is to us oh my at God. 22, 23. <laughs> the pencil skirt was everything. So, so. good. Banana yeah. Republic was my like cracked in. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if I, I joke with my friend, I was like, I'll know I've made it when I don't have to shop sale at J. Crew, when I can shop regular <laughs> price. That's when I yeah, know. Girl. <laughs> so yeah, I was enamored with all of the elements on paper. I got to travel for my job. I got to like do all these things that I thought I would really enjoy. And then 
what I realized is I spent my whole college career, you know, running all around campus, getting to learn about all different things at different times and being in meetings that I thought were really engaging. And, and that was not reflected in my work experience, mm. which is fine. And I think, you know, I talked to my dad and he's like, you're really an entry level employee. So right. why don't you like get your panties out of a bundle and, and <laughs> do the work? Um, and that felt fine. But I even looked 10 years up the ladder in my company and I didn't even want to be that person. Mm. And that's when I knew this is not the right place for me because I'm not enjoying the work I'm doing right now, but I'm also not feeling like I'm working towards anything because yeah. the end goal isn't even exciting to me anymore whenever I look at the day to day. And so now when I talk to people, I make sure you know, they realize not just the content of the information because people will say, oh, I'd like to help people. I should become a doctor. Oh, I'd like to argue. Right. I should become a lawyer. <laughs> well, are you actually arguing every day? Like how often do lawyers actually go to court? Okay. Well, if you like to help people, like if you're serving someone food at McDonald's, you're helping them like right. that, like that defines, um, you know, fits that standard definition if that's what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. But what are your days actually consumed with? And that was something that was like a revelation for me when I finally mm -hmm. figured out, which probably should have been obvious, but in all these job interviews, I was so busy impressing the person I was talking <laughs> to rather than thinking like, wait, what am I actually going to be doing? Do I get to go to conferences that give me continuing education opportunities? Do I get to write copy? Do I get to be in meetings? Do I get to, you know, do anything that would bring me closer to the career that I really wanted? And, and had I been wise enough or um, oh, self-aware enough to ask those questions, I might've picked something different, but I wasn't. <laughs> and so I and think- most people aren't, right? Like right. everybody's lying to everybody in a job interview. Yes. Everybody's got their best clothes on, their best attitude, their best face. And it's tough. I don't think it really does any good to anybody on either side. It's so true. It's very rare. I mean, the companies I've come in contact with that are recruiting based on culture and values that do it really well um, are few and far between. But I think we kind of have this idea that we all want to put on our best face, but really, you know, your best face is what's going to end up working because retention is a huge problem for a lot of companies, especially with yeah. millennials. And we realize a lot of it's just you're advertising something that you're not executing on in your It's company. a bait and switch in a way. Absolutely. And yeah. so I think that that struggle for me was, oh my God, I did all the things to get to the place I thought I wanted to get to. But now I don't even know what the next step is. You know, in the rest of your life, you know, you're in elementary school, you go to middle school, middle school, high school, high school, college, college, job. But job is kind of like the end of where like you're told what the next step is. <laughs> right. You're not given any guidance on how to get the second and the third or how to stay happy in the first. Or, or when, yeah, when it's appropriate to leave, do you need to leave? Is it a conversation? And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but I wish I would have talked to my boss at that time and said, you know, I don't like doing this, but I felt so lucky to just have a job. So right. many of my friends didn't have jobs. So I didn't even feel comfortable saying, I don't like this because who was I to right. say that? And so I was really in a place where I didn't know if I was allowed to ask for help, which sounds silly, but it was my honest feeling. And knew that I didn't want to stay there, but also didn't know what else I wanted to do. So it just felt so paralyzing mm -hmm. and, um, I just felt stuck and it felt really uncomfortable. And so, and how old were was, you at this point? I was 23. Yeah. I feel like that 22 to 25 zone mm -hmm. is like quicksand. <laughs> like 
it's going to suck you down at some point. Um, I don't even, I actually don't know anybody that didn't have one of those dips or that panic or that moment of like, oh, but now what? And to your point, you're right. Like, it's hard to know, especially in the very beginning of your career, what's acceptable and what isn't. Because to your dad's point, yeah, you were fresh out of college. Like, you have very little negotiation power. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a good amount of like just sticking with it and just working your way up. But I'm glad for you that you had the foresight to look 10 years into the future and see that you didn't have, you know, an anchor ahead of you that you could set your sights on and like pull towards. That was, I mean, that was a very um, mature thing to be able to do. And I think a lot of people don't think to look to the highest point in their company and think, do I want that job? Because if you don't, then what do you, what's going on right now? You know, what's the end game? Exactly. And Bailey, you're completely right. I think everyone has that moment of like, is this, is this the thing? Is this what I signed up for? And, and I think there's kind of, you know, a fork in the road from there is people that change and kind of look for that thing or say, you know, a job's a job's a pay, a paycheck is a paycheck. And I worry about those people. Yeah. And I mean, there's something to be said for security and comfort, but there's also something to be said for doing something that you actually enjoy and is fulfilling. And I know that there are a vast majority of people that think that work and fun and work and enjoyment don't mix. And and I'm kind of here to be the ambassador for not that message. Yes, me Um, too. We can wave the flag together. Yeah. Because I mean, there's things that everyone's naturally drawn to, naturally skilled in, naturally has a strength in, and it's just a matter of trial and error. And so when people ask me, they're like, I feel stuck in my job. I'm like, great, do everything, do everything you could possibly do to try and see what you you like, because you'll find something. Well, and I think the idea of being stuck and even the idea of security is kind of a joke. Like nothing is guaranteed anymore. There is no job security. Like you could be fired tomorrow if the economy goes to hell again. And So even the people that stick it out because they just want the paycheck, they're not guaranteed success in the long run either. So my opinion is you may as well enjoy what you do while you're doing it and continue to check in with yourself and make sure that it continues to be something that is making you happy. Because to your point earlier, how you actually spend your days, that's how you spend your life, you know? And so if you're not enjoying your day to day, And you're living for like the once a quarter where you get to do the thing you thought your whole job was going to be about. That's not going to keep you going for very long. Exactly. And I think, you know, we spend most of our lives at work. Majority of people do. And the sad thing is, you know, when you're living for something else, do you even have energy once you reach it to enjoy it? There's this great quote by Warren Buffett that, you know, working a job just to put on your resume or or to get a paycheck is like saving up sex for old age. It's like (laughs) I'm you're you're gonna be able to do it. You're not gonna be able to make it work probably. So maybe that's an incredible quote. And the fact that it's Warren Buffett is just like my favorite. All the better. Oh my God. That's incredible. I mean, let's be real people. Like we don't know how long we're gonna have here. If you're continuously pushing off your happiness for retirement years, you may never make it there. And you don't know. I mean, we could le- be living in like a dystopia by the time we all retire. <laughs> Who like, knows? The way things are going, you, you never don't know, know anything. And so you have to at least make inroads every day to get a little bit happier every single day. And, and no, no job is perfect. No job is going to check every single box forever. Even ones that originally start out being absolutely perfect for you, 
you're going to keep growing, which means you're probably not going to be perfectly aligned for that job or the job function will change or you'll get a new boss and they'll move things around. There's just, the world is very impermanent. So I think the sooner people can adapt to that and, and be flexible and continuously check in with themselves, the happier they'll be in the long run. Absolutely. And to your point, you know, the funny thing is when we do talk about security and a job, you know, for me, security felt like being able to call the shots. You know, I'm a control freak. I I like to be able to um, predict what's going to happen. And the fact that now in my business, I can say, okay, this many clients at this price point will yield X amount of money and I can decide whether it's, you know, more or less. And, and my hustle determines whether or not that happens. You know, I, I betting on myself feels very comfortable giving someone else the power to say you have a job or you don't feels way more risky at this point. I know it didn't at 23, but, but hey. now, you know, five years later, it, it feels that way. It feels that like me being able to say, you know, this is what I think is going to work. And, and based on my gut and intuition, I'm going to go with that. Um, that feels way more secure actually. Yeah. And it's funny. I think that's somewhat of an entrepreneurial mindset though, because for a lot of people, the idea of continuously having to get new clients and you know, you don't know, sure. You can do the calculations all you right. want. Like, I know I only need X number of clients to be a millionaire. All right. right. Show up anytime now. Like it is right. such a different thing, but you are right. Like when you are your own boss, when you have your own company or you're a freelancer or a consultant, you do, you are betting on yourself and you're hoping that your bet comes through in that people will also bet on you and they'll want to become your client and all of that. But it's okay if you're listening, you're like, wait, that sounds so much worse <laughs> than yeah. working for a company. There is a thing for everybody. There's a seat for every ass. That's the way I feel about it. So yeah. whatever your thing is, that's good. So how did you get out of that zone? Yeah. So I did it the completely wrong way. If you want like a how <laughs> not to quit a job, you can look at my past experience. Um, because I had a great team. I worked with such wonderful people that had I had a clue about myself, I would have gone to and said, Hey, I'm not happy. What can we do about this? But I didn't do that because I was really scared to seem ungrateful or to seem, um, combative in any way. So instead I just walked in and I was like, Hey, got another job. I'm, I'm leaving in two weeks. (laughs) Wait, can't we talk about this? Can't we like try and figure out if there's something else you would like more? And I was like, Oh, that was an option that I totally missed. So 23 year old Kate was just like, petrified, but then all of a sudden like really confident one day to go and say that I got a new job. But I had um, actually contacted someone about doing a part-time communications role for them. And at the time they were on the Oprah Winfrey network, um, the own network and, and the fact that that was a reality. And I was been part of my time doing that. I could at least pay my bills until I figured something else out was really exciting, which it probably shouldn't have been going from a full-time salary to a part-time salary uh, for most people would not be exciting. But for me, I think the idea of just being able to spend time focusing on what I actually wanted to do and then being able to still pay my bills was the, I I mean, it was like utopia. It was so exciting. And so, um, you know, I'd kind of already accepted this part-time offer before my boss was like, why wouldn't you just talk to me about this? So um, we had this, he gave me a good like one-on-one like conversation about how to not quit a job and it was everything I did and then what to do <laughs> the next 
time. Um, but he's still wonderful and, and all of them are really great. Um, but I ended up going to, uh, work for this TV personality part-time as a director of communications and, um, on the other part-time side of what I was doing felt, it felt like a full-time job because what I was doing was interviewing women that I thought really liked their careers or seemingly had really cool, glamorous careers to find out one, if they actually liked it or if it was all BS and then two, why they liked it, how they found it, how they found out what they liked and, and really just grilling women for like three hours via a uh, coffee conversation. So Amazing. that was my other part-time job. <laughs> so you've said a couple of things. First of all, I think giving yourself the freedom to be able to explore and actually be thoughtful about what you wanted to do next is a very important point. And, you know, yeah, I'm sure you took a gigantic pay cut, but you were still baseline able to cover your bills, which I think people often overestimate how much money they actually need to survive. Mm -hmm. We have in our heads what we want, not what we actually baseline need. And I think when you get real with yourself and you really look at your finances, if you are in a job that you hate, chances are good that you'll be able to switch into something else, even if it's temporarily, that just pays the bills. So you afford yourself that time to be thoughtful and think through and really ask yourself the hard questions or take workshops and network and work with a career coach or do all of the things that are really helpful when you're trying to figure out that next move. Because it's hard to just jump from one thing to the other. It doesn't always work out the way you want. And then the challenge is you might get there and realize like, oh, I don't want this either. Right. And, and that's why. less brave to do it again. Exactly. In fact, I think most people don't do it again when they realize they jump. They also don't like it. And it's like, oh, this is just what work is. And that's not the case. Had I been smarter than I was, what I would have done is stayed at that job and then worked with a career coach or worked with someone who was an expert who could help me navigate those waters because I, I spent probably three years more than I needed to trying to figure out even just what I wanted to do and then jumping off from that point. Had I had someone like my co-founder who is an amazing career coach and, and just a, a delight for anyone to work with. And that's why I, I work with her and she coaches me still, um, but coaches all of our clients. Um, you know, they have expertise. They've, they've studied how to make people happy at work. She's um, an organizational psychologist by trade. So she is able to see things in you, strengths and new skills in you that you can't see in yourself. So that when you do take that next jump to your point, it's the right one. Instead of constantly bouncing around, maybe taking pay cuts, maybe having a resume that doesn't reflect the things that you want. Right. Um, you know, that can be more detrimental than staying in a job and, and using the disposable income you have from having a full salary to pay an expert to help you. That's one thing I've learned along the way. It's been so helpful is when I don't know something, find someone who's an expert in it, ask them about it, pay them for their information absolutely, and, and be better for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent to all of those things. And I think we all think that our situation is so unique and it's just not. Almost no so situation is actually super unique when it comes to your career. So by working with somebody that literally does that for their career, they've just run all the options at this point. Like they've seen it all, they've done it all. So they're better able to say, oh, you're a this kind of person. I have a feeling I know what to help direct you towards. So yep. super important, invest in yourself. And then the second thing you said was you interviewed a ton of women about their jobs, what they liked, how they got them. The informational interview is something that comes up time and time again. 
Um, and it's not something I think I ever intentionally did. It was always like a, oh, can I chat with you about this? I never knew to call it an informational interview, but that's essentially what it is. And that's become my favorite piece of advice to give people who are trying to figure out what to do, or they have an idea of something they might want to move towards. They have no clue how to take what they already have done and transition it into that. And just literally reaching out to people who have a job that you think you'd want, or who have had a similar career path to one that you think you'd like to have is just absolutely an incredible way to get the inside scoop on, on a thing that you probably know nothing about. Absolutely. In fact, it is the way like our clients that come to us that are actively job seeking or are searching for jobs, they are banned from applying for jobs. They are not allowed to apply for jobs. They have to use their network. They have to Ooh, use I informational like interviews because your next opportunity, most likely, statistically speaking, is from someone in your network. 80% of people who have jobs got them from a connection they had, not from mm-hmm. a, a job posting or a job board. Um, so we actually just created what we call the get hired toolkit. That's going to be available on our website. And, and that's what we're telling you to do. And it's the instructions of how to do that. But I mean, high level is what you're saying, you know, find the people that have jobs that you might be interested in or that know people that have jobs you might be interested yes. in. And before you jump, ask good questions. So did you find anything in particular? What were, what were some trends that you picked up from all of those informational interviews? Oh my goodness. There were so many great things. And I did realize that some of those women didn't actually like their jobs, which was really interesting. That feels good to know though, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. I thought everyone was happy and I was just on a ship by myself. (laughs) These terrible choppy waters. And that was not true. There were women who I thought were really happy that weren't, and it was comforting, um, but made me more curious. And I, I found out a couple of things. One was that Uh, college success doesn't correlate to career success, like I said. Um, But also your ability to communicate, one, your value, and two, what you actually want out of a position will make or break your career. Mm. Being able to articulate what you're interested in, what you're good at, how you can help people, and how people can help you, those things are invaluable. So many of us don't know how to do that. We don't know our superpower. We don't know our unique gift. And that is what's holding you back from the career you really want. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for some of our clients, it's as simple as, okay, well, write down all the things you don't like about work. Well, I don't like that. I face a wall. I don't like that. I don't have a lunch break. And I don't like that. We don't have time to chat with each other. Okay. Those are all things you can change if you ask, Mm -hmm. but we feel for some reason there are these unwritten rules that we're not allowed to change. And we just sit miserably instead of saying, you know, this would actually be a situation I would like more. Can we have a conversation about me doing that? Because these are the things I value and I work best when I feel valued. Yes. It's so simple. Just have a conversation, you guys. And I know there's tons of fear around seeming ungrateful and Mm -hmm. seeming like you aren't in it to win it. But I don't know. I think obviously there's got to be some shifts that take place from a management perspective. And I think we are seeing that happen. Um, one of my big passions with the one-year career is really working with management and the hiring managers and the people that are the culture leaders of companies to help them create a culture of transparency and trust where the employees and their managers can have frank conversations with each other about what they really need from each other to make this relationship work. Because it's a relationship. It'd be like having a boyfriend or girlfriend and never having a conversation about your needs and your love language and like what makes you happy and just guessing for years. That is insane. It's 
crazy. And, and you know, it sadly, it does happen in relationships and it happens at work all the time. And, you know, the one phrase we repeat over and over again is that closed mouths don't get fed. You know, no one in the workplace is a mind reader. No one in a relationship is a mind reader. No one for a lot of times, no one knows you're unhappy. We have clients that come to us. We're the first people that find out that they are miserable in their jobs. Why are we someone who's seemingly a stranger the first right. people to find out? And it's only because they know we've heard these stories before, but your boss doesn't even know you're unhappy. That could solve everything. Yeah. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. You don't know until you ask and you don't know. And I think it's also very short-sighted, you know, to leave a job. If you've never even given the job a chance to fix the things that are not happy for you. I mean, I had my least favorite job I've ever had was really just a mismatched culture fit. You know, Mm -hmm. what I was sold as the position was not what the position actually was. And then there were just some dumb elements of that job that I let drive me crazy, like my lime green desk. (laughs) That is a very stupid thing to get so upset about. But I think it was one of those tip of the iceberg things where I was like, and my stupid desk. (laughs) And another thing. Well, I'm at it. (laughs) But, you know, I, to be fair, I did bring up a lot of my actual real concerns with my boss and with HR. And when nobody fixes it, then by all means, move Mm -hmm. on. But give people a chance because they might surprise you and you might realize that you're valued a lot more than you even understand. Absolutely. And you'll find your value when you have those conversations or if you are in a job interview, asking questions to see if they value the things you're able to bring because then you're able to get a raise, get a promotion, negotiate effectively when you know that you're valuable. But that's the number one thing when we took a survey of our audience, the number one thing lacking in their careers were opportunities for growth that's what everyone's looking for. You know, no amount of money, no amount of vacation time, no amount of like any uh, ping pong tables are going to make a difference if you don't feel like you're making forward momentum. Yeah. A hundred percent. I can concur with that. Everybody that comes to my workshop or does my courses, it's the lack of growth. And I always say it's, sorry, beer on tap is not going to solve the problem. (laughs) So true. It's like such superfluous, like little fixes that companies think are going to be what retain employees. And it's just, it's so much simpler than that. It's something to reach for and give them opportunities to improve themselves and grow. And you'll get lifelong support people, even if they go on to leave the company, they'll probably recommend people to work there for years after, which for a company, that's the best way to hire a new employee is by referral. So absolutely, it's, it's so simple. I think millennials for sure want that growth and they want to feel alignment with the purpose of the company and they want to feel like what they do actually matters and that they're going to work every day for a reason, not just to punch a clock because that feels like a slow death. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And I think that, you know, everyone probably feels that way, but we just know now that we have options. And so that's what I try and share with everyone is that you do have options. You have the ability to work wherever you want. And, you know, it's important not only for yourself, but you're doing a favor to your boss. If you help them fit culturally, you know, their employees in in the positions that they have. Yeah. A hundred percent. Everybody wins, but it's a little more of an upfront conversation, I think, than a lot of people are willing or, um, you know, to have and, and a little bit nervous about having. But I promise you guys, it is worth it in the long run. So absolutely, learn from our mistakes. <laughs> okay, so you have all these amazing conversations. You're 
kind of helping people figure out what to do with their careers on the side, what did you end up coming to in those times of downtime when you were doing the part-time works so that you could figure things out? Yeah. So I was, you know, working part-time for this TV personality and doing their communications and branding. And then, you know, um, my other quote unquote, not real part-time job, but felt very real to me. Um, I would interview all these women and then I would say, oh my gosh, this information is so valuable. And I know so many women who are struggling in their career. So I'm going to share this. And so Mavenly in its first iteration was a blog really that mm. because it just got tiring for me to literally write out all these conversations to everyone via email, I would yeah. send them a link to a blog so that everyone could read it. And so, you know, when I was that sorority consultant, I made a lot of great relationships and then those women would graduate and say, oh my gosh, I'm unhappy with my job. I know you talked to me about career stuff when you were here at my university. Do you have any advice for me? And I would say, yes, thankfully I've interviewed all of these women and I know why they do or don't like their jobs. I'll, I'll send it to you. And so it just became, you know, for my mental sanity easier to have a blog and a link that I can send everyone to. Mm -hmm. So when people are like, Oh, tell me why you wanted to start a business. Well, the short answer is I didn't want to start a business. I desperately wanted someone else to pay me a salary <laughs> and get health insurance and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, but this just became the thing that was, you know, undeniably something that needed to happen. And so because I kind of already had momentum, I was like, well, I'll just keep writing and, and see kind of where it goes. And, and that's, you know, kind of the early stages of Mavenly was just sharing that information with other women, which is actually what the word Maven means. It means someone who's gained an expertise that wants to share it with other people and it's traditionally a woman. And so that mm -hmm. felt really right. Yeah. So when did it take the turn from being just a blog to being something more? So it took a while. <laughs> Actually, my co-founder is the reason that we have a business. If it was up to me, I'm sure I would still be writing and working part-time jobs. Um, but she was in graduate school for positive organizational psychology. So she was learning a lot about the things that I was writing about and dealing with firsthand, um, being an employee and working with these different organizations. And so she started writing for the blog and she called me one day and she comes from a family of entrepreneurs. So it wasn't as weird of a scenario as um, someone who has a parent that's a physician and a physical therapist. That mm -hmm. was not, you know, you get a job and then you work for that right. job until you're dead and, and that's <laughs> how things go. Um, yeah. So starting a company was like, what? That's cr like, I'm not Steve Jobs. Like that's not, I'm not doing that. Um, but my co-founder who was not my co-founder at the time called and she said, you know, women keep asking us to host in-person workshops, work with them one-on-one, -on -one, um, have events where they can come and talk about this information. She said, you know, this is a business. This could be a business. And I think I probably laughed at her the first time <laughs> she said that to me because it, I think I still a little bit had that mentality. Like I do this for fun. I couldn't possibly make money doing something that I enjoyed. That seems crazy. It has to at least be a little bit difficult. And, and believe me now, I believe that it is a little bit difficult, if not a lot difficult, but I enjoy it more than it is difficult. Um, and, and she was really the driving force for saying, you know, this is too important for us not to do. So why don't we dedicate all of our time to it? And so at that time, starting a business looked like creating workshops to have real actionable, tangible ways for people to walk through the topics we had been presenting either on the podcast or on the blog. And so the so, podcast came after the blog. Yes. Okay. So I, I totally glazed over that. Um, <laughs> 
so what happened was we had this blog and then people who were reading it would say, Kate, this blog is great. I, I really enjoy the content, but you know, I'm a working professional. I'm in the car, I'm working. And then, you know, I get home, I want to get on the treadmill or go for a run. I don't have time to read. Can you actually just record these blog posts um, and post them online. And I said, sure. And then I wasn't even really sure at the time what podcasting was. You know, we were joking before the podcast roast was pre-serial. So no one was listening to podcasts, but for some reason I had the idea to record these things. And I think a developer who's way smarter than me and a good friend of mine said, you know, there's a format for this it's called podcasting and you can share things with people that way and people can access it on their phone. I said, Oh great. That's what we want to do. And so it was really a request from our audience that they wanted, um, our blog post in audio form. And so we started doing that and then sharing some of the interviews in audio form. Um, and then, from there, people would say, you know, I listen to the podcast. I love it. I would love to work through some of the things that you're talking about on the podcast. And so that's where our workshops and coaching um, and, you know, all the other products we have now came from. That was kind of the origin is, okay, this information is inspiring and great, but how do I make changes with it? And that's always been kind of our North Star as a business, not just a blog. Yeah. Now you said a lot of important things there. I think on that note, it's always interesting when people start something without any sort of social proof for it. And they're like, I think everybody wants this. I'm going to start a business. <laughs> and I love the alternate story, which is the reluctant entrepreneur story where it's like, mm -hmm. well, I didn't want to do this, but I didn't see any option to not because people really wanted it from me. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really important for people to hear. And the other thing that you mentioned twice now is that you didn't think that you could enjoy something that was work. And that comes up a lot too, where women are like, I just didn't think this could have been a job because I really enjoyed it and it felt like fun. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I had the same thing. My undergrad was originally in journalism and I hated every second of it. And I was laying on the lawn of campus one time and I was like, I don't know why I just can't plan events for a living. And somebody's <laughs> like, oh, that's a major. I'm like, no way. There's not an event management major. That's stupid. And they're like, no, I promise. It's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> and so I switched that day and I was like, okay, if you guys want to pay me to plan events, I guess I'll do it. Right. And twist my arm. It just felt like a no brainer. <laughs> and when people are like, oh, was college hard? I was like, no, I was learning how to run events, which I'm good at anyway. So it felt like I was cheating the whole time. Cause I'm like, guys, this is, this is, this is it. Okay, sure. Yeah. Give me a degree. So I think that's an important lesson for everybody to hear is that, yeah, technically if you can make money from the thing that you enjoy by all means go after it, because that's the way that the years fly by in a good way. When mm -hmm. the days just fly by and the weeks fly by and you're like, oh my gosh, how is it already 2018? Like the time just passed so easily. You're not dreading every five o'clock to hit, you know, you get lost in your work and you get in the flow and that's the piece of life that you really want to tap into if you can. So mm -hmm. I'm glad Absolutely. you realized that now. It can yeah. be super fun. <laughs> Thankfully, like I said, I mean, my co-founder is my co-founder because she worked wonders on me. I was probably her first client through Mavenly. She had to coach me on, you know, why this was important and why I should go after this business. So I have the best testimonial for her. And it's the reason why we work together because I did learn that, you know, she was the first person to say to me, you know, working from a state of flow is the best that you can work from. And what I really enjoyed was, you know, what we're doing now, creating um, a community where we can actually help women with the tools and resources we provide them. That was so exciting to me um, and helping women create a personal brand that will help them do that, help them get the careers they want, help them create the businesses they want. 
was so exciting, but seemed like a pipe dream. And she was like, yeah, that's kind of the point. Yeah. I say that all the time. Like if you have a job where you're looking around and you're like, why doesn't everybody want to do this? (laughs) That means you're in a really good spot for you because when you're doing the thing you're great at in an industry you care about with a company culture that fits you, few things feel better than that Mm -hmm. in a professional capacity. And when you're there, and I always say too, like when you really love your job and when you really love your situation, take note of what you're really loving about it so that you can repeat that in future jobs. When this one inevitably, the time will end, you know, you'll move on. um, And that's okay. That doesn't diminish the amazingness that it was when it was good. But really taking note of what actually does it for you professionally is so important. Absolutely. I mean, really, you just hit the nail on the head right there. I think that taking note of what's giving you that gratifying feeling and what's giving you this fulfillment and engagement, that is the thing you have to hold on to and the thing you have to communicate in your next job interview or you know, when you go to start your own thing. How can you replicate what's already worked? There's been a time where you've felt inflow, where you've felt like time is passing quickly, where you've felt you know, completely energized after focusing on something for a long time, you can repeat that. That's something you can continue to do. No. And that's, I mean, that's the way to keep being happy in your career. It's super simple. You guys, yeah. why is everybody so confused about it? Why do you listen to our podcasts all the time? Just Duh. do that. Just do that. Just pay attention and be happy. The end moral story. Yeah. Just do that. <laughs> so any closing advice for people, obviously we're going to link to everything Mavenly and co in the show notes. You guys have to go listen to the podcast. It's one that I truly rely on to keep me on my toes with my own career. And just, it's a great supportive platform. And Kate, I love your voice. You have a great podcast voice. So I appreciate <laughs> so that. You. You. <laughs> Thank you. And it's so, very important. It, it, sadly, it kind of is. For <laughs> people that are really particular about podcast noises, not having a good voice is a real struggle. Um, but any final parting words for the listeners out there? Yeah, I think, you know, specifically in 2018, and this is something that we're focusing on really heavy is, you know, allowing yourself to think big about your career. I think so often we think about the thing that's right in front of us, but give yourself permission to dream up that career that feels really good and then really think hard and and logically about why it's possible. Because I think for everyone, if you're able to imagine a career that you would really enjoy that seems almost too good to be true, I think you can find it. You know, someone else has probably done it. So I think you can find it for yourself. So we're challenging everyone this year in 2018 to take your career to the next level. What is something that you have wanted to do, but you haven't thought is possible? That's the thing to focus on. And so give yourself permission to look into the future, think about that career that you really enjoy, and then be tactical and logical about the steps it takes to get there because women are smart. Women are savvy. They can get anywhere they want to be. This is true. It goes back to the one year career, make big moves with small steps. That's all it is. It's so simple. Be happy and make big moves with small steps. You guys, Yeah. there you go. That's it. We're done here. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. It's such a pleasure to have you here. And and again, everybody go check out the show notes, check out Mavenly and Co. Check out the Women Work and Worth podcast. It will just be the gift that keeps on giving. So thank you again, Kate. And we'll see you next time, guys. Bye.